Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 148 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Craig and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much, man. It's another day, another another podcast, approaching 150. Crazy how quick that's gone, but right. here we are, and it's been, you know, it's wrapping up minor league season, a lot of updates, and a lot of changes to at least my prospect rankings and yours as well, so we're going to talk about that today, and it's going to be going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, a lot of a lot of risers and fallers to get to, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're actually got back to back episodes here for risers and fallers. We'll do prospects today, and then on Monday's show, we'll do dynasty risers and fallers. So, a lot of fun names to get to here. So, but but before we do, let's get the usual housekeeping out of the way. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I'm at Eric Cross zero four, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And, of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ. All right, Chris, let's hop right into it. Let's start, though, with let's go with our new top 10s here. We'll go our new top 10 overall and then our new top 10 pitchers because I'm pretty sure neither one of us have a pitcher in the top 10 right now. I have a couple <laughs> close or somewhat close, but we'll start with our new top 10 overall. Again, people that aren't aware – Chris's are OBP focused, mine are not. So just keep that little nugget in your back of your mind when you hear our rankings here. So Chris, lead us off. All right. So starting at the top, you know, the first two should be no surprise. I think for anybody with Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson, both debuted, both been solid so far. Great to see. Follow those two up with two youngsters that have been studs this year with Ellie De La Cruz and Jackson Churio at four. And then another debutee this year who's been extremely good. Another huge game today with Vaughn Grissom. He comes in the fifth spot. It's kind of weird to rank somebody like Grissom who will <laughs> graduate in the next couple weeks. Like I think he's probably got you know, 12 more games before he exhausts mm-hmm. prospect eligibility. But he, he's left on for the time being. So Grissom is five. So that top five, Carol Henderson, Dela Cruz, Churio, and Grissom. Followed up by Anthony Volpe, Jordan Walker, James Wood, Jordan Lawler, and surprise at 10 is Kyle Manzardo. Vinny P 2.0, Kyle <laughs> Manzardo. Very, very similar. So mine, I got Corbin Carroll at the top. I have Ellie De La Cruz 2, Henderson 3. I mean, I could almost, you know, you can flip flop those. If you want to go a little safer, then obviously Henderson is your guy. I got Volpe four. You know, he's been really back to the Volpe of old after a slow start to the season. Lawler's just been killing it all year. He's in, in the uh, number five hole for me. He's been sh- hitting for power, you know, stealing a b- bunch of bases, hitting for average. I think he's a B. This is a guy that could be number one pretty soon. Jordan Walker at six, so back-to-back Jordans. Then Jackson Churio at seven. James Wood at eight. I still have Ezekiel Tovar at nine, even though he hasn't played in a couple of months, which is concerning, but... I just couldn't, you know, I, I could have probably put a couple of these other guys in, but I'll stick with Tovar. I'm very much a believer in the skill set. And I got Drew Jones at 10. Uh, again, this is a very, I could have put like Grissom in there, Miguel Vargas, 
you know, could put a couple of different guys in there, but love Drew Jones. Not worried about that shoulder injury at all. I think this is a guy that probably is going to be our number one fantasy prospect by you know, maybe even the end of 2023. We'll see how he comes back from that shoulder injury. But kind of interesting enough for my list here, no Robert Hassel. We'll get into him a little bit here, but people probably think that was like the biggest surprise for people was, hey, where's Robert Hassel? But no, the power hasn't really shown up at all this year, and he's really been not good since getting traded over to Washington. So that's the, like, the one surprise from, from my top 10, at least, I think, for people. So let's go over to our top 10 pitching prospects now, just so we can get some some pitcher names in here. I'll lead off here. At number one, still Grayson Rodriguez for me. He's the only one that was close to my top ten overall. I think he's the best, you know, best combination of ceiling and floor in the minor leagues. I still, it's gotten a lot closer now, but I still have Espino too. Again, really concerning that he hasn't pitched since I believe it was like April 29th or something like that. So the gap has closed, but still, I think Espino is going to be an absolute stud, and he's in cleat one, so that helps. Yuri Perez three, Ricky Tiedemann four, Andrew Painter five. Kyle Harrison, six, Taj Bradley, seven, Gavin Williams, eight, and all those guys are in my top 40. Tink Hentz up to number nine. Talked with him last episode with Eric Garfield and Bailey Serebnik. If you missed that episode, catch that. Absolutely. And then, what was that, number nine? So number 10, Hunter Brown, who just had a nice little debut the other night against Texas. Chris, who you got? Starting out with G-Rod, no surprise. Actually, I think G-Rod is no doubt the best prospect, but I don't have him in my top 25 at this point. Just so much risk with pitchers. So I go 25 hitters, and then G-Rod comes in at 26. And then this next group's kind of a tier with Andrew Painter at two. It's funny, about a month ago I wasn't there on him, but now I am. He's jumped pretty significantly, followed by Ricky Tiedemann and Yuri Perez in all back-to-back spots. So they're all kind of like in their own tier together. Kyle Harrison comes in next, followed by Taj Bradley, Gavin Williams, Daniel Espino, Tinkens, and Gavin Stone. I think that's 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And yep, Gavin Stone's my 10th. Awesome. Yeah, so a lot of the same names. So you have Stone in, and I have Brown. I think that was the only difference, right? In terms yes. of names in yeah, different order. Yeah. No, we have G-Rod, and then... There's a massive tier. Again, my that kind of two through eight are only 16 spots apart in my overalls. So it's, it's a massive cluster. Won't have any issue rating them any which way. But yeah, very a lot of what a fun pitching prospect right now. And obviously, you know, Tink Hands jumping up in that mix. Hunter Brown. You know, next tier you got you know Bayo and Max Meyer who drops because of you know, injury. Bobby Miller, Mick Abel. You know, I saw I've Gavin some very close as well. Jackson Job. A lot of fun names for pitching prospects, but let's get into some. We'll start with the followers. We usually have to get the followers out of the way first. For let's go with pitchers here. We have eight names on the list. We're not going to go like in depth on every name here because we got a ton of names on the list. We were just throwing names left and right. We got you know some quick accounting here: 16, 20, 33. We have like forty three names on our on our. <laughs> our uh, little word doc here that uh, Chris and I use. So obviously we're not going to talk about 43 players today, but we, we will at least say the name of all of them and then get into some discussion on certain ones here. So these are our pitching prospect followers. And, you know, we left off some that we've talked about a ton recently, both the Rogers and followers, but figured these are the names that kind of, we kind of had in common or, and that are kind of more notable names. First off, Max Meyer, obviously getting hurt kind of, Field that Brendan Williamson, DJ Hers, Peyton Battenfield, Logan Allen. So two Cleveland names on there, which was kind of surprising to see. Dre Jamison. That was I joked with Chris before. You literally could put any Arizona pitching prospect not named Brendan. Brendan is it fat? Fat? fat I don't know something like just, that. Just fat. That'd be. <laughs> <laughs> that is I like fat with a. He's he's so cool. Like he goes past fat with a ph. He's fat. He's fat with a pf. <laughs> it's like the next level of cool right there. Okay, Dre Jameson, Roy Bersalinas, and Sam Bachman. Bachman Turner overdrive there. All right, Chris. So let's so let's just hop right in. Which I don't know which one of these guys are you most out on for dynasty leagues? If you had to pick one, like one that you're just like I'm just totally out. Hmm. Wow. Well, it's tough. Battenfield's regressed pretty significantly this year in ways that like 
I didn't really expect. Where did the strikeouts go? That, that's, that's what I want to know. Right. That's the biggest question. Like, I mean, and we're talking about a pretty good sample of 138 innings. Like, and I wouldn't say his league's like tough by any means. I mean, he's running a 3 2 ERA, but a 4 3, a 4 3 4 FIP is kind of discouraging a bit as he's had a lot of good Babbitt luck. As you mentioned, the strikeouts have gone, the walk rate has gone up. What's happened to Peyton Battenfield, who I once thought was a borderline top 100 guy? Yeah. He's fallen pretty significantly. So he's a tough one. Like, if there's no strikeouts, then, you know, what is he? If he's a sub 20, if he's, if he's like a right now, 17.3% is awful. An 8.5% K minus BB, not good at all. Trey Jameson, also, what? I mean, his strikeouts have gone too. And, He's running a 6.69 ERA in 109 AAA innings this year. Like, is he up to 6.69? Yeah, that's. Oh my word! Last time I looked, he was in like the mid fives, which is still bad enough. I don't know if he got up that high. Right. So, Jameson's already somebody that you had con- like we had. I had concerns about at least before he really kind of like broke out last year, just because of the the walks. And now you see this, and he's lost the strikeout touch. Like. For Battenfield and Jameson to go to AAA, which, you know, I don't consider a huge jump from AA. Like, I think the nah. big jump's from high A to AA, but AA to AAA is not a significant jump. And to see him really struggle like this is concerning. So both those guys, and, and Jameson, 25 years old. Battenfield, 25 years old. So at this point, like, these guys are kind of like, show me, or like, I'm completely out. So yeah, those two, I'm fading pretty hard. Yeah, to put it in perspective, last year, Battenfield, 103 innings, 131 strikeouts. This year, in 35 more innings, he has 33 less strikeouts. Like you mentioned the K rate dropping to 17.3%. What was it at last year? I think it was over 30% last year. Let me do some quick math here. Yeah, 32.9% last year. And I, I don't think anybody thought that was sustainable, but that's almost been cut in half, <laughs> nearly in half, below 20. It's not going to get done. Like you mentioned, he's not pitching terribly like you said the era is still 3.2 even though it is a little has some good luck there but yeah if you can't strike anybody out like you're not gonna be more than you know a sky people you know use it for a spot start and for streaming for fantasy purposes and good matchups so yeah definitely concerning it's weird though like we talk about and logan allen too he's another one uh as i pull up his numbers he has not been good at all this year either let me see here let me see i pick up the Yep, I always click the wrong Logan Allen. Why do I do mm-hmm. that? I don't want that the other one that's even less fantasy right. relevant. That's on the same team. There we go. Yeah, lo- the other Logan Allen this year, 459 ERA, 23 starts, but 333 in AA and a 686 ERA in 10 starts with a 175 whip in AAA. So it's kind of like the same thing. He's still checking guys out at least, but the the ratios has just gone gone to crap here. It's weird though, Chris. Like we, we talk about how good Cleveland's been developing pitchers, and they have. But at the same time, you know, they, it's like there's, there's like a wide range with them where it's like they either get Bieber or it's like these other guys that like Quantrill was kind of regressed from what people thought he could be. Please, Zach, you know, it's guys like that. And then also McKenzie. It's like, I don't know. It's like they're not, they are a great pitching development org, but. I don't know. They're, they aren't without fault. They do have their misses, that's for sure. Yeah, so those two definitely concern me. The other one, DJ Hers has forgotten how to... Th- no, he wasn't really great at throwing strikes in general, but he just forgot how to throw them in just all together. He has 63 walks this year in 86 and a third innings. That is a 16.6% walk rate. It's gotten even worse of late. It's over 20% over the last month. He's still striking out a ton of guys, but... You know, we've dinged DL Hall a ton, and DL Hall has probably even got better command and control by a little bit over hers and has better stuff overall. So, hers is a guy I dropped a ton. I think he's a bullpen arm. I think I'm 95% sure he's a bullpen arm. They haven't made that transition yet, but it, you got to imagine it's happening soon because he just he has a 953 ERA and seven double A starts with a 199 whip. And more walks than innings pitch. He has 26 walks in 22 and a third, or 22 and two thirds innings in Double A Tennessee. So he's one where you know, like I said, those types of arms where they're 12, 13, 14 plus percent 
walk rate, I just I start fading hard. That's why people ask me, hey, why didn't you bump Griff McGarry up higher from the Philadelphia Phillies? And, and like, yeah, McGarry's nasty, but he also has like a fourteen and a half percent walk rate this year. So that, that's why I I've have been burnt by these guys in the past and I just don't want to go down that road again. So I am hers has to show me something really quick or I'm not even, he's, he's still my top 400 right now, but he's almost out of it. Like where did I put hers? Hers is, yeah, he's he's still in the two hundreds, but he's dropping quick. He was almost pushing top 100 at some point. So where, where, where do you have hers, Chris? Let's see. He did drop pretty significantly. Have him at 248 right now. Okay. And that was a drop from 148. <laughs> yeah, spots, so we, so. Both, yeah, both roughly 100 spot drops. Yeah. For each of yeah. our guys. Can't, can't locate your pitches. Can't throw strikes. Can't limit the walks. Not going to have a, a very long career, at least not as a starter. That's for sure. No. And Sam Bachman's another one that I dropped pretty substantially. Like I've always valued Bachman as a pretty pure reliever. He's walking 15% of batters and his strikeouts have gone as well. Like, I know there's been some injuries, but like he's come back and just been very like, meh, since he came back mid July. He missed some time early on, but mid July on, he just, he's not getting it done. I mean, he's running a 1.4% K minus BB rate and that just doesn't cut it. Like, even for a reliever, you got to strike out more than 16% of batters. Right. If you say, well, he's starting right now, if even if he will say he, turns to reliever right now that's probably translates to like 20 percent. it's still not good especially when you walk that kind of numbers that you do i mean the era looks decent but he's running a 5-5 fip so like that's a, a major concern and relievers are already finicky when we think about prospect rankings so just an easy easy drop for me yeah that is very surprising to me that bachman you know i'm not overly surprised about the walk rate we knew that was an issue but just the fact that he's with the stuff he has, you know, the upper 90s cheese, the really good breaking ball, you know, good changeup as well, or one that showed promise. I thought he'd be at least striking out guys. Like, okay, maybe the walk rate will be high his first full year. Maybe the ratios won't be that great. But as long as the strikeouts were there, and there's, they just haven't been. So, yeah, definitely concerning there. If there's one guy here out of these eight, Chris, like the one guy you would buy in, buy low on the most. Does anybody stand out to you? I mean, like Max Meyer seems like the obvious choice because most of his drop is due to injury. But, you know, that can also be concerning long term as well. So is there anyone here that you're you feel comfortable in, in bouncing back, whether it be, you know, probably not this year, but not in 2023? I mean, Meyer's the, the obvious one, like you said. Brendan Williamson's been surprisingly bad and very disappointing since he was traded to Cincinnati. Like I thought he could be a potential bright spot, but he's just been awful like he's one that I, I want to buy into but i just can't get myself to so that's tough i mean maybe logan allen he seems like there's a shot i mean he is running a near 400 bab in triple a right now and the strain rate is pretty low so i think there's been some bad luck so if the walk rate trends downward then maybe he could but again you look at a 175 whip so i Outside of Meyer, I don't love buying low on any of these guys, but if I had to take a shot on one, I would probably go with Logan Allen just because the the whiff rates have sustained, good swinging strike rate. There's just something that seems to be a little bit off with him that if he can fix, he can probably get back to being a decent starter. Yeah, I was going to say either Allen or Williamson because, you know, hers, I'm basically out on bat and field. This doesn't strike out anybody anymore. Williamson still has got good stuff. Allen's got solid stuff. You know, Salinas, who knows? He was like kind of flash in the pan earlier. So we'll see if that can, you know, he, he can get back to having that success. So, yeah, probably definitely not hers. Definitely not Jameson. Definitely not Bachman. Though I was really hoping I could have some Bachman Turner Overdrive team names down the road. But if he's not going to be good, I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I'll go. If I had to go one that's not Max Meyer, I'll go Williamson. I'll go with him. I saw, the stuff is good. I, I don't love that he's in Cincinnati now, but stuff is still very good. So. We'll see. You know, bet on the stuff, and hopefully everything else can uh, he can figure that out. All right, moving over to hitters now. Eight hitters on the list: Robert Hassel, the third, Nick York, Gabriel Moreno, Brady House, Christian Hernandez, Alex Benellis, Hunter Bishop, and Heliot Ramos. A couple, a couple Red Sox, a couple Giants. You know, Robert Hassel, who I mistakenly still put a San Diego on the uh, the outlines. My brain is <laughs> thinking San Diego. There we go. Change it to Washington. Yeah, he's obviously the biggest name. Well, there's you know a good amount of big names on here. All these guys have been 
I think all of them have been top 50 or even higher fantasy prospects at some point. But we were kind of hoping that the power would come along with Hassel this year, and it just really hasn't. Overall on the year, he's got 11 home runs and 102 games, but with a 412 slug and a 141 ISO, and this has gotten even worse. Like He's been really, really bad since going over to Washington, though it was a bump up from high A where he was in San Diego. Then he went to high A in Washington. Now he's up in double A, Harrisburg right now. He's hitting 183 in double A, and he was hitting 211 in high A. This is with the in the national system. So one home run combined in 27 games, slugging percentage below 250, ISOs below 100. I still think the, the power potential is there, but maybe he's more like a 12 to 15 homer guy with, with a solid average and you know 20 plus steals. And that's still good. I still have him top 20. But, yeah, he's just not – the profile didn't, you know, scream top 10 for me anymore. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, some people – I think it's just the thing with prospects. Like, I've heard people like, he's not a top 50, he's not a top 100. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like, that's – I'm not going to be that person that just, you know, loses everything because I've, found, like, heard some of some data that's concerning. Like, yeah, his exit velocity suck. Like, his average EV is, like, 85. Like, that's not good at all by any means but i think we have to consider the circumstances here already struggling a bit i mean he was fine in high a in san diego but you get traded for the best player arguably in baseball in juan soto you yep. move across the country uproots your life and everything you've known since you've got drafted and have to move to a new org and completely start over in a sense. Yeah, he's not been good since he's been traded to Washington, but I do think the hate for Hassel is going a bit too far. When we talked to him, we interviewed him last offseason, and he's going to be the type where I think this offseason he just puts in the work. Yep, agree. I, I think he's just going to really get back to where he needs to be. Yes, maybe he doesn't get to the power that we once thought, but what if Robert Hassel is a three, I don't want to say 300, but I think he's capable of, I'll say he's a, a 285 type hitter that hits 15 home runs and can steal you 25 bases. That's a valuable fantasy asset. Yeah. And he's a swing tweak away, I think, from getting even more power because he does have some strong poolside power. And I've even seen some him hitting oppo home runs that are like, there is the juice in there, and like he's capable of getting to those higher end exit velocities. He just hasn't consistently enough. He just turned twenty one. Like I think, I think we got to cut the guy a little bit of slack here, and acknowledge that like he's just a little tweak away from getting more loft on the ball, getting to more fly balls, and naturally, I think with that you're going to see him get to more power. So I'm not writing him off yet. He does. I'd love to see him get a little more pull happy, honestly. Like, he loves hitting opposite field, which is great. Like, he gets to all fields well. But if we want to see him get the home run power, let's see him really try to pull the ball a little more. But I don't think that's who he's going to be. So, I think he's still like, I've got him at 20 right now, which is probably a fair spot considering everything I've seen. But, like, if you get a Whit Merrifield type player, are you really going to be upset? You shouldn't be. No. Like I said, and, you know, like you said, that it might not be the sexy profile, but that's still very, you know, usable in fantasy leagues. Like, you, know, you get nice little five-category production. You know, he's probably going to get high in the order for Washington because, you know, who else is going to? Uh, let's say bring in a lot of players over the next couple of years until he, he comes up. But so you probably get some solid run production out of him as well. So he might not ever be a guy that stands out in any one particular area, but probably a guy that's give you some solid production across the board. And those guys are valuable as well, but yeah, it's not, he's not top 10 anymore, but Hey, maybe if, if the power you know ticks up next year and we see him, like you said, start getting tomorrow, that pole side pop, then may, maybe he could return. We'll see. I'm, I'm not shutting the door on him, you know, ever returning to it being a top 10 prospect, but yeah, definitely not top 10 right now. You know, how concerned are you on the other Nats name on this list here, Chris, and, and Brady House? He's had you know, a combination of poor performance and some injuries this year. So he's been really limited all around. You know, you look at, let's see here, 
in 45 games, 203 point appearances. He's hitting 278. That's fine, but only three home runs, only a 350. Should be that's his OPP. 375 slug, 097 ISO. This is a guy that that you saw, you know, you know, back before he got drafted here. You know, are you any concerns here from the kind of the low power, or is it too small of a sample size for you? Well, I honestly think he's been playing hurt all year. I mean, you can go back to to May when he was dealing with some injuries when he <clears throat> originally was placed on the IL on May the 4th with the back injury. And he then he came back and he played. It just wasn't there. And I, I just think the back injury affected him all year to the point where – Looking at, looking at the data before before the injury, before he's placed in the IL, 326 average with two home runs in 21 games. So the power wasn't there per se, but he was hitting for average at least and you know striking out less, still having a decent walk rate. So I'm willing to pretty much write this season off as a injured season because back injuries you know have a lot of effect on the swing. So I still believe in house. Like naturally, you have to drop him a bit because like that's where the value goes when you when you're injured. He obviously a small sample didn't perform well, but I'm willing to buy back in and buy low on him because I think that he'll rebound next year and honestly be totally fine. Yes, yeah, so you're definitely looking to buy low on him right now, if possible. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know where people are valuing him, and where do you have him? Because I dropped him to, I didn't drop him that much. I dropped him to 64, but previously I, I had him around 40. I think. He's in this. Did you hear that beep? Is that just me? I just heard a random beep in my headset. That was weird. I have him, I think, probably the same range. You said, what, 64? Yeah. It'd be help if I just used an actual control F here. 71. Oh, he's right there. I was looking right at him. I just didn't see the name. Yeah, so 71. That's down from item 28. Uh, so he was top there. I think he was probably, I think we've had similar rankings on him in terms of the high end and then now. But yeah, I, I wonder, you know, the approach, you know, he doesn't walk that much. Carrots a bit higher, but yet dealing with the injury. So I'm not like completely writing him off. I'm not like out on him, but like you said, the value had to drop. The ranking had to drop because of performance and the injury and, and the time missed this year. But he's definitely one that I could see bouncing back. I could see both these, you know, Hassel and him bouncing back in 2023. So, you know, two solid buy lows here in the off season. We got a couple of Red Sox on the list, unfortunately. You know, Nick York, after having that nice breakout year last year, just has he hasn't been terrible this year, but he hasn't been like the follow up season has not been there. Where you're like, oh, this guy's a top twenty five prospect. He's down to let's see two thirty four, three hundred two, three seventy two in High A Greenville, Chris's neck of the woods. Eleven home runs, seven steals. You know, walk rate still about nine percent. K rate, let's see here, is about eh, right around twenty five percent or so. So again, not terrible, but just very underwhelming. And then Alex Benellis, we won't go too deep into him, but he just has not hit well at all this year. You know, the one of the big names coming back that's supposed to be the kind of the big piece for Hunter Renfro, maybe got that could turn into a Hunter Renfro type. He's got 24 home runs and eight steals, but you look at he's hitting 201, 305, 428 this year, hitting 149 since he came up here to double A. I'll, I'll bait 10 home runs in 49 games, but I question if he's ever like a full time player. I just don't know if he hits enough to get there. And then Nick York, I want to still be in on New York. I'm not out on Nick York. I just wonder if we kind of bought in too much to last year. I wonder, like we talked about him earlier in the year. So there's still some decent skills there, but maybe we just went a bit high on him, Chris, as a, not, not just you and I just as an entire industry. Yeah, I don't disagree. I'll go ahead and just hit Pinellas real quick because I think, and and I'll say the same for Nico Cavadas, where I think the gap between high A pitching in the Sal league is terrible and when you get to double A, you're definitely facing better arms. So for Benellis, I'm not surprised he struggled. Cavadas, I'm not surprised that he's hitting 224 right now with a 31% strikeout rate. I'm not sure Benellis is an everyday player. And I think Cavadas is a platoon a DH type bat. So like yeah. I, I think it's easy to get excited about what we saw like at the lower levels, like 
for but for the, the you got to remember these are college hitters like Cavadas is nearly 24 Cavadas is exciting he's got big power like I know he's not on this list but I, it made me think of him when I thought about Benellis where you yeah. know they dominated high A but the pitching sucked so they're not facing any good competition and then when you face decent competition that's closer to your age in Double A. I'm not surprised to see the struggles just based on seeing these guys live. And you know, Cavadas wasn't in Greenville that long, but I saw you know at least five games of him. Benelis a little more, so I'm not surprised. For York, however, I really wanted to chop the season to injury. Similar to Brady House, he's dealt with a lot of crap this year from just a sickness early on that kept him out a while and – turf toe in a back and a wrist, like all kind of junk that's been going on with him. But he's been fully healthy for at least a month, if not more. So he came back July 22nd. So I'm willing to give him that week and a half into August that he came back. And so he's fully healthy for August on. And still he's just hitting 240 since then. That's at least a little more encouraging, but it's not what we expect out of somebody like Nick York. Does have five home runs over those 25 games, so there is some power coming back, but what is the overall profile for him? Like, yeah, even, exactly. Even, even if he's a plus hitter, if York is a 15 home run, five to eight stolen base type, like, what does that provide for fantasy? And that's what I'm concerned about with him is that maybe he does eclipse 15 home runs and maybe he has a little bit more than that. But if if that's what you're getting out of him like an, on an average season, so let's say he's a 270 to 280 hitter, but he gives you 15 and 8, like there's just not a lot of fantasy value to be had, unfortunately. Yeah, I think at this point, a high-end outcome for him would be like a, a poor man's Jeff McNeil. That's fair. And I guess, you know, you, you could probably use that and, you know, depending on league death. But, yeah, I don't I don't see him being this, like a big impact player at all. But the last name here that I, I really want to get into, Gabriel Moreno. He's a guy that was, you know, top, you know, depending on what list you looked at for fantasy, at, at anywhere from top two to top probably four fantasy catching prospect earlier in the year. And, and myself absolutely included in that. I will not say I did not do that because I absolutely did. But. Since then, like he's now my number, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, number eight catching prospect. And almost in the two, there's two that are right below him. And I think you could make a case for those two above him and maybe even a couple other guys pretty soon here, or at least having similar value. Like the guys I have ahead of him now for catching prospects Francisco Alvarez, Andy Rodriguez, Harry Ford, Tyler Soderstrom. I mean, some of the guys will move off, obviously, but right now, catching prospect eligible. Austin Wells, Diego Cartea. And Yiener Diaz and Bo Neal or Henry Davis are right below him, and Parada's you know not too far apart either. So he just the power has not been there. I think he's he's got to hit for an average. Like he's shown that he's a a very high contact, high floor professional hitter. But does he ever get the double digit home runs? Could he? Absolutely. Like the raw power is there to get to like you know I say around 15, 15, 16, 17, something like that. But just doesn't get to it consistently in games and really hasn't at all this year. I, I think he's still – what does he have for home runs in the year? Is he, is he, is he even hit five yet? Three. 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 Okay. I, I knew he was like three, four, five range. But at the same time, he's hitting – I hate how baseball reference goes to the major league stats first. Yeah. Three, yeah, he's hitting 315, 386 OBP, but a 420 slug, 105 ISO, three home runs in 62 games. And that and that's in you know a triple A environment that usually is conducive to at least a little bit of a power boost there. So I think he's a two eighty plus hitter, but is it just empty average at this point? I don't know. It's so I I just don't know how valuable he is for fantasy. Maybe a, a two catcher league just because of the high average that'll help you there. But you think he's ever a guy that's you know, like a top twelve type of fantasy catcher? I don't think he is. No, I've got him 11th among catching prospects at this point. So Ooh, 11th. And, and, I like yeah, that. There's a, just a plethora of good catching prospects at this point. So, I mean, Alvarez, Bo Naylor, Austin Wells, Diego Cartaya, Kevin Parada, Soderstrom. I still kind of consider him a catcher. He's kind of, he, he's moving to first base, but yeah. Andy Rodriguez, Henry Davis, Harry Ford, Yaner Diaz. So like Moreno is still a top 100 prospect, but, yeah, the the catching prospects have gotten significantly better, 
and he hasn't. And like you said, great contact skills. Like I don't think there's any questioning the contact skills at all. He's going to be elite contact, but his swing just isn't conducive to getting to power or fly balls in general. So he has a weird little hitch that that could hinder him that that pitchers could really exploit. And even if he hits for good average, like I just don't see him getting for the power, like you said. So for that reason, like I was completely wrong. Like I had him preseason bumped up pretty high because like, you know, he was great when we saw him in the AFL, but still you have to consider beyond like that and just look at the whole outlook. And he just doesn't look like a catcher to me that is going to be super fantasy viable in a, in a, Two-catcher league, certainly, but in a 12-team, one-catcher league, I'm not sure he's ever startable. Yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. And I looked at, in my March rankings, I had him 30th, right behind uh, Jordan Lawler right in front of Brady House. So yeah, he's just consistently dropped. I, don't, I think that was his peak. As in May, he went down to 43. In June, where is he in June here? Okay, he kind of stayed, he stayed right around the early 40 mark. July, so he kind of stayed... Yeah, he was around 40 again, but that this was the big drop. I'm like, all right, I'm done waiting for the power to come around. So I just don't think it's going to. But all right, let's go ahead and take a quick break as we are now done with the followers. We'll come back on the other side and get into some risers. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back from the break. All right. Riser's time, Chris. We got a lot of a lot of names here, even more riser names than followers. Okay. So we, we kind of broke them up into pitchers, infielders, and outfielders just to kind of, you know, break them up a little bit here, have some some sort of organization to this list. We only have four pitchers on the list because a lot of the other names that rose up our rankings we either talked about or they're not, not quite as noteworthy as some of these other guys that we want to get to in this episode. So the four names on the list, Andrew Painter, obviously, is the biggest name, and Tink Hans, Tanner Bibby, and Brennan Fat. Fat? Fat. Yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> Until I'm corrected, I'll go, I will go with that. But right. and you have Andrew Painter all the way up to number two. And again, that's a massive, it's like G Rod, then we have a massive cluster there. But I mean, Andrew Painter had just he keeps it's almost like Tiedemann. It's like he's like the NL, and obviously he's a righty and Tiedemann's a lefty, but in a similar trajectory where they're both very young, you know, they've been bumped aggressively by their respective organization. And those have been the right call. I think. I think I like when, when even at a young age, and you know, like the old guys were nineteen to start the season. Even at a young age, if they're showing what these guys have shown this year, I'm fine with a, with a, a bit of an aggressive bump to say, "Hey, let's just test them a little bit. It's just so we end of the season, you know, give get their feet wet at that next level before they go on to that that level full time next year." I'm all for it. And both these guys have uh, Tiedemann and Painter have pitched very well. In, in AA, I saw Tatum earlier this year. I didn't realize Painter was going over the weekend, or else I would have went down there. I thought he was. I thought he went on Friday, so that's that's my mistake. But I'll see him next year, I'm sure. But in three AA starts here, 140 ERA through 19 and a third innings, only allowed 15 hits, three runs, one walk, 23 strikeouts on the year. He has 141 walks to just 24 strikeouts for a K minus walk rate. That can't be right. Is that really his K-minus walk rate? 32% K-minus walk rate? <laughs> yeah. Did I calculate right. that wrong? That's right. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, let me, no. do this to, let me break it down. So K-rate, 38.7, and then walk rate, 6.6. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I was, like, I was like, I had to have just calculated that wrong. Thirty. So 32% K-minus walk rate. That is absolutely insane. For a guy, he's still – has he even turned 20 yet? Is he still 19? Hey, look, when was he born? Okay, so he just turned 19 in April. So he'll be 20 next April 10th. So it's almost like the Yuri Perez from last year. So he's definitely him, and uh, you have him second. I have him, what I say, fifth? Yeah, fifth, but right in that tier, man. He's just incredibly, incredibly exciting to watch. And, you know, beyond all the strikeouts, like it kind of gets lost as that low walk rate and this that good feel that he has for his entire arsenal. I mean, I'm all in on him as a frontline pitching prospect or a frontline pitcher moving forward, I should say. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, it's just kind of crazy to see like the 
progression and just the dominance at, at every level. And I mean, absolute stud here. So, and there's a reason he's moving up. So I, this is a case though, where it's like, if you're in a dynasty league, like I wouldn't go out of your way to try to trade for a pitching prospect. Like, you got to find the next one that's going to take yeah. off because like, as soon as you trade for him, you could get TJ. Like, hopefully not, but you know, <laughs> pitching prospects are so volatile and change year to year. So, it's not a case where you need to go out and acquire him right now. But look for the next one. Look for the find the next Andrew Painter. And I think you definitely can. You look at most of these guys that we had in our our top ten pitching prospects here. You know, obviously, Tiedemann was a guy you probably got super late. In terms of your first year player drafts, I'm trying to like filter back the pictures here. Uh, there we go. Yeah. So, Yuri Perez obviously can't not came out of nowhere, but again, kind of was a little name turned into this huge name. Same with Tiedemann. Painter was a first round pick, but he's a guy that you probably could have gotten around like what 20 or so in your FYPD. Yeah. Same thing, kind of same thing with Harrison. Taj Bradley's kind of ascended from being, you know, you know, a guy that was considered like a top 200 guy. Now he's top 50 overall. You know, Tink Hens has blown up this year. Hunter Brown has blown up this year. You know, a lot of these names, Gavin Stone has blown up this year. So a lot of these names that you can get pretty affordably now. So I 100 percent agree with what Chris just said. Because if you don't have, if you do have one of these guys, I should say, you're going to ask a lot for them. Because you know, I only, I really want to hold on to. If I have a top guy like this, you know, for the most part, you're going to ask a high price tag for these guys so it's almost not worth it you know considering the price that it'll cost to get these guys so you definitely go look for the guys that are on the rise you know like some guys like uh, i'm gonna make a bryce miller who's who's been rising a ton already make a gunner hoagland who i think who can make a big jump next year you know a chase petty you know guys like that like brock porter you know these, these younger guys baba chandler some guys like that that you could be seeing them jump up next year those are the guys to get not Andrew Painter, but I'm not going to be opposed. Obviously, I'm not saying don't get Andrew Painter because obviously he's very, very damn good. But yeah, definitely, definitely agree with what Chris said in terms of in terms of that. Though, then the other names here, hence we talked about a lot last episode uh, with guys that I've seen them: Eric Garfield and Bailey Srebnik. So go check that out. Yeah, I think Bailey is just like falling in love with <laughs> with Tink Hens. Like that was like, like you, you saw his face just light up like like a kid in the candy shop when he was talking about Tink Hens. So, you know, smaller smaller guy, but the arm speed is just insanely elite. So, and St. Louis has is quietly just a good player development organization. They don't get, they don't get quite as much recognition for it, but I think they're definitely one of the better ones uh, in, in baseball. Easily a top ten player development org that doesn't get that recognition. And you know, Bibby and and Fat we talked about as well, but Fat is kind of still flying under the radar, I think. Like, while all the other big name, you know, Arizona Diamondbacks pitching prospects have just really not done well. We talked about Jay Damison, you know, Ryan Nelson actually has pitched well, but he had kind of a you know, not a great year in the minor leagues. And uh, I'm trying to think so many other names that have fallen off here, but there's, there's been a lot of them. Like the, in, basically all the big name Arizona guys have fallen off, and Fat has not. He's really Ascended to being maybe the number one. You know, Walston, another one I was trying to think of. He's had a kind of a lackluster year, but yeah, in seven AAA starts for Fat, two fifty seven ERA. He's only walked uh, twelve guys in forty two innings at the level with forty seven strikeouts, whips under one. And this is in the PCL too. And this is after you know kind of a, a lackluster Double A showing, but really showing well in Triple A. Probably he's up soon. So is he more than a, a you know, number three, number four starter? No, but. I think he's a guy that you can get for a pretty affordable price tag here. And then Tanner Bibby, I think you just you just bumped him top 100, didn't you, Chris? Yep, he's he's really good, and he hasn't showed any signs of slowing down. And it's, the stuff's really ticked up with him this year, and you know the fastball velo's up. It's pretty solid, and you know he makes in a slider and a change in a curve as well. It's really just been impressive to see his ascent this year, and to me, he has the makings of of everything you want to see in a, a top 100 pitching prospect and good command. It, it kind of reminds me, I'm not going to say he's become Shane Bieber, but kind of reminds me of that where good command and just really developed stuff with it and saw the VO yeah. tick up. And that's kind of the path to success that we've seen. Like it's like George Kirby as well. And not to say Bibby becomes either of these guys, but Bibby's been really good. And I think kind of under the radar for too long. I mean, 61 and two thirds double A innings. He's running a 161 ERA. 
and a 0.88 FIP, just a 4.2% walk rate, 28.2% strikeout rate. So I mentioned the Arsenal's really good. So I like Bibby a lot. Yeah, as do I. And the other two, you know, a couple of names are Arizona. Uh, Slade Sioni and Bryce Jarvis have also fallen off a ton this year. They're both outside my top 400 actually right now. So yeah, it's fat and then a big gap to, you know, the Walstons and Landon Sims and all that up the world. So and Bibby, again, he's moved up. I think he's close to up 100 for me. Let me switch over to Cleveland. Yeah, he's 127 for me. So he's only behind, obviously, Espino and Williams. And then it's Bibby, Morris, Burns, Battenfield, and then, you know, Curry, Allen, and all them. So he's definitely clear number three for me in that Cleveland org, a very talented org at that. So a lot of, you know, a lot of nice stuff there from, from both these guys. All right, moving over to some infielders now. We have, oh, geez, 13. Yeah, 13 infielders on the list here. Vaughn Grissom, Kyle Manzardo, Andy Rodriguez, Yaner Diaz, Bo Naylor, Logan O'Hoppy, four catching prospects. As, you know, when I was filtering, when I was looking at where I had Moreno, Chris, there was so much. You know, I did, I did a, a formula on my Excel sheet and highlighting, you know, if they jumped more than I think it was 25 spots, I had them highlighted mm-hmm. in green. There were so many green highlights in that list. So it's like <laughs> a lot of catching projects on the rise. You could probably have added four more names to this list, but we'll keep it to Andy, Yainer, Bo, and Logan. Yidi Cape from Miami, we talked about him last week. Matt Mervis, kind of a breakout older prospect in the Cubs system. Connor Norby, Nico Cavadas, Jose Rodriguez, Lennon Sosa, and Edward Julian, though. I don't like how he spelled Edward. Is that <laughs> am I the only one that just like doesn't like how that like O U O U A in a row throws me off? Yeah, it's like it wants to be like Edward. I know it's like like fancy. Just, yeah. just throw a, throw a W in there. Cut out the O U. Call it good. But yeah, a lot of a lot of good names. You said you had Manzardo, Manzardo and Grissom are both top ten for you. Not quite for me, but not that far off either. Andy Rodriguez, I freaking love Andy Rodriguez. I have just developed an absolute man crush on Andy Rodriguez. He just keeps raking. Does he stay behind the plate? We'll see. You know, they also have Henry Davis, so not sure how that plays out. Probably moves off, but maybe he's a guy that can keeps enough eligibility to you know, kind of keep that tag for the first few years of his career. But he's hitting 314, 405, 591 this year between high A and double A. 33 doubles, 24 home runs. And last year in low A, Bradenton, 294, 385, 12 with 15 home runs and 25 doubles in 98 games. So it's not like he came out of nowhere. He did this last year. Just nobody was paying attention because A, he's in Pittsburgh, and B, he's a catching prospect. Kind of the, that combination kept his uh, stock down. And I wish I would have bought more mm-hmm. dynasty stock on him then. Now he's his, like I said, I am top 50 overall. I think I'm maybe a little high on him, but this, this bat is legit. Like 280 plus hip a hitter. I think he's, you know, could be low to mid twenties home runs as well. Probably hits, you know, near the middle of the order for them as well. So I think a nice four category guy. Maybe he adds, you know, a couple steals in there as well. But it's a really good four category guy. Then Yander Diaz, he's jumped a ton as well. He's in, in well inside my top seventy five now. Bo Naylor, I think. Did you have Bo Naylor at two for catching prospects? I, I do. Yep. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So he's up there, and then, uh, Logan O'Hoppy, who. Again, I put Philly on there. My brain still thinks so. They're, it takes a while for my brain to like transition teams sometimes. He's on the <laughs> Angels now. And so, yeah, he's been, been quietly continuing to rake. He's hitting for good average, good pop. Man, I would be very happy to have any of these four on my dynasty team right now. Yeah, there's not been a hotter hitter in the minors than Andy Rodriguez over the last month or so since August. He's hitting 374 with a. 1220 OPS, nine home runs over that time. And you always like to look back, and I, I really liked what I saw last year, and I didn't buy in enough in leagues, unfortunately. But I found a thread I did from 11 11 2021, and it says a Pirates catching prospect, Andy Rodriguez, is pretty intriguing. He's versatile, can also play first base and outfield, generates high end bat speed thanks to great torque from the Hip rotation, good bat path, natural loft, ideal launch angles, good splits. And then I put he the last tweet, does not get the love he deserves, could be a breakout prospect in 2022. <laughs> well, hit that on the head. Yeah, yeah, that's always fun to see. And then on 319, I put that I was wrongfully too low on him 
that I believed he'd be a top 100 prospect by midseason. So I just didn't pick him up enough places. Like I saw it, I just didn't pick him up. But he's good. He's really, really good. And I, I don't know. I think people really sell his power short, but it's hard to deny what he's done this year. And I think you have an argument for him to go like as high as any other catching prospect, honestly. I mean, like to me, like Alvarez is not head and shoulders above any other catching prospect at this point. You, okay. We've mentioned a lot of them here that are risers, and I just don't think – it's like he he's good. Francisco Alvarez is really good, but it's not like he's like in another league above these guys. So if you could sell him – I might do it and get some like get one of these guys plus more. I would do it. Absolutely. Yeah, that that's the deal. I, I mentioned this before. That's the deal I'd love to make where you get a guy that you think can be just as good and also get that another little piece, whether it be a draft pick or another, you know, top 150 type of prospect. But you know, like would it would it surprise you if Alvarez is, let's say, 260 with 25 plus home runs and Andy's like 275, 280 with you know, maybe you know, five less home runs, but the average be i think the average is gonna be higher for nd so yeah i'm pretty confident yeah, that yeah like i obviously would i still have alvarez ahead but yeah it's not i think what's the overall gap here for for these guys i have see i said nd's at i think 42 here let's switch back over to catchers yeah nd's at 43 alvarez is at 31 so yeah only a 12 spot gap there and Alvarez dropped 11 spots. He was at 20, so he's kind of turning down a little bit. Not not a ton, obviously, but and then Andy is jumping in considerably. And Harry Ford, I love Harry Ford as well. He's another guy that you know I almost threw on this list as well. He's been really high OBP, good speed, powers slowly getting there. But man, there's so many. I I I can't talk enough about all the fun young catching prospects. And if people seem to it's like write these guys off, but there's a lot of legit talent here. So you know, if you're catching, you know, scenario in, in your dynasty league isn't great, just try to get some, a couple of these young guys, and you know, I'm sure one of them will stick and become a very impactful player. Let's moving some non-catchers here. Manzardo, Grissom, the two biggest names on this list here. You, you have them both in your top ten. Grissom has just been very, very impressive. Like, we, we both had him inside of our top 100. You know, he was a guy that I think it was like – you know, 60 to 80 range for the most part. Didn't really expect him to do this initially, but, you know, again, it's kind of like with Michael Harris, like similar, you know, Harris, I think was ranked, you know, a bit higher as a prospect as compared to uh, Von Grissom, but yeah, similar. Like we didn't expect him to break out to this degree. Like Grissom taking 337 through his first 25 games, five doubles, four home runs and four steals, 384 OBP, 522 slug. You still got a lot of projection on the frame as well. I think he could add even more good bulk to that frame. Would it surprise you, Chris? Like we start looking at, you know, it's easy to compare him to other Atlanta infielders like Aussie Albies. Do you think there's a path where Grissom gets up to being as high as Albies is right now in dynasty rankings? He could. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He could be a, a safer bet, honestly. And there's some volatility in Albies' profile, but. Christmas like progression has been really good, and for a 21 year old, getting his first taste of the majors, only 22 games in Double A, like pretty good what we're seeing here, and especially from an OBP standpoint, like he could surpass Albies from an OBP standpoint. I think. I think he could. Yeah, obviously Albies doesn't really have the the lofty OBPs here. All right, let's get the little game of who would you rather in, Chris. I'd like to get at least one of these games in every episode. It's the Battle of Paul J. Haggerty High School in Oviedo, Florida. Dynasty. Let's go five years out. Who's better? Vaughn Grissom or Riley Green? Huh. You know, Green gets is gonna get so suppressed by this park in Detroit. <laughs> I don't want to write him off yet, and I don't want to make a rash decision based on Grissom's hot start, but I think there's an argument that Grissom goes toe-to-toe with him in a lot of categories, honestly. Because I think people are expecting more speed out of Green than than I'm expecting, at least. I mean, he's one for five on the base pass since being promoted. So he just doesn't really have the speed or really the instincts, I don't think. So, yeah, it's going to be closer than people think. I totally agree. I have them 16 spots apart in my dynasty rankings. I I was a little aggressive. Like, 
I, you know, look back at what Harris has done, and I'm not making a direct comp here, but it gave me more confidence in Grissom and, and this hot start. I think he's the power's there, the speed's there. And I think he's gonna be 20 plus home runs, 10 to 15 steals, maybe even a little bit, maybe even selling his speed a little bit short. You know, high he's always been a high average, high contact type, solid walk rates. So I have him 78 right now in green 62 in my dynasty rankings. Like I said, maybe a bit aggressive on Grissom, but I mean, I've, I've always liked him. And I think that I always thought there was more in the tank. So I'm definitely buying into that. And with Manzardo, like I said, if you miss out on Vinny P, like Manzardo has a lot of similar traits to Vinny P, like a lot. High average, great approach, hits the ball hard, you know, in very much in control of his of his bat. So I, I don't know. I was probably too low. I actually, I'm, I was too low. I, I should have bumped him higher. I have him at 30. I should have went higher than that. I applaud you for putting him 10. I probably, if I redid that, I'd probably put him in the, like back in top 20. But OBP, obviously, a little bit higher. But, man, it's, just, it's hard to find. A, obviously, he doesn't run. I guess that's his weakness, if you want to call it that. But this is, looks like a very high floor, high ceiling, four-category performer from first base. So I'm, I'm 100% in on Manzardo. Yeah, and if you want to, I guess people can be upset like there's no speed. So you go into Hounsman with no speed. But the combination of exit velocities and contact are pretty second to none from Manzardo. So he's just got such a knack for the barrel and hits the ball extremely hard. So I feel pretty confident that he's a really solid fantasy performer. And you think like we still draft people that high that don't steal bases. Like Manzardo is one where I don't see why he's not a, a top first baseman for a long time. Like honestly, like I'm a little more confident than, with him than Costas at this point. Yeah, I, I still have Costas a few spots ahead, but I can see that. I think it's going to be very close. Like, I have them very close to my rankings. So, yeah. Did you think before the season, Chris, that Manzardo will be your top-rated Tampa Bay Ray prospect by this time of the year? No. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's a few spots. I just looked at my overall. He's like a handful of spots ahead of, let's see how many, yeah, five spots ahead of Bradley, who's 35, and then me, Aranda. That's actually kind of a drop-off. Some guys have graduated as well, like Brujan and, and Lowe and all of them. But, yeah, Manzardo is an absolute beast. He jumped up 93 spots and probably should have jumped up a bit more. But, all right, what are some other names here we want to get to in the infielders here? I think the last name I want to talk about personally, Connor Norby. He's a guy that... Going into the draft, you know, the the contact skills were there. I think some people put him as 55, others as 60, you know, some solid speed, but his power grades didn't really get, you know, a lot of high praise. But I remember when we talked with Eric Garfield the first time back, what did we do, March or February? Sometime in, in, during spring training, he was getting, yeah, it must have been March because it was some spring training looks. It was He told us that Kowser and Norby's power was underrated. I remember that. And Norby now has 23 home runs and 14 steals in 101 games. And after kind of a slow start to the year in high A Aberdeen, he's now up to, in double A, 53 games, 293, 373, 576 with 15 home runs, 8 steals, and a 287 ISO. I think he's a 20, you know, low to mid-20s homer bat. I think he's double-digit steals. I think he'll probably settle on like a 10 or 12 steal guy. And there's a solid average in there as well. So he's on the guy that, you know, I'm not saying he's the next Grissom, but I think he could be, you know, could see a very big jump next year. He's already jumped up a lot in my rankings. He's top 100 now. I think you can see him top 25 by this time next year. It seems that way. I mean, he's been everything you want and very impressive. So Norby is a stud in the making, I think. And when you think about the combination of the contact skills that he has always possessed plus the power that's i would say is developing and then even ships in some speed to go with it and good instincts on the base pass at that then i think we can be looking at a a really solid fantasy asset so you're it norby's totally justified to be moving up for sure any other infielders you want to hit on chris you want to go over to the outfield now no let's let's hit the outfield all right eight outfielders on the docket here Evan Carter, Jason Dominguez, Oscar Colos, Aaron Zavala, Alexander Canario, Miguel Blyce, Colton Kowser, and Spencer Jones. So a couple of Yankees, Red Sox, Oriole here. Again, Colton Kowser 
you know, I, it kind of upsets me. I've always been, the, you know, I think one of the bigger Colton Cowser guys. And I see people bumping him up higher than me, which is like, don't, that's my guy. Mm-hmm. But people are buying in. I'm glad to see it. I've always been very high. So I bought into what Eric Garfield was saying about the power. I, I kind of thought that as well. And he's just had a great all around year. He really kind of, again, similar to Norby, a little bit of a slower start to the season, but it's really turned it on over the last few months. It's kind of a, it looks like a nice five category guy. Same with Evan Carter. I think he's probably the one that, who do you have ranked higher, Evan Carter or Colton Kowser? I bet you they're pretty close in your rankings. They're side by side. Yeah. Kowser, <laughs> yes. Carter, Dominguez, all side by side. <laughs> Nice, and I honestly did not look at Chris's rankings. I just kind of knew roughly where he'd put them. And where is that in your rankings, Chris? 17, 18, 19. Who's all three. top 20? So who, so who was number one out of those? Like, what was the order? Not that it really matters. Kowser, Kowser, Carter, Dominguez. Okay. Yeah, Carter has been, like I said, we've talked about him before. We've gone from a surprise top 50 draft pick. I think it was pick 50 in the nose, if I recall correctly, to a guy that's top 20. On Chris's list, and where is Col- see where are these guys on my rankings here? I know the rough range, but I want to give people the exact number here. I have Evan Carter to thirty four, Colton Cowser twenty two, and Jason Dominguez forty. So we we had that nice Dominguez Rafael debate, and Chris, they did end up very close. I have, I have Rafael thirty eight and Jason forty. I knew they'd end up close. Nice. So, and that's how you, obviously you have Dominguez a bit higher here, but. Yeah, Colton Cowser tearing it up. I think he's probably up at some point next year, adding to that nice young nucleus they're building there in Baltimore. And Evan Carter, I just I keep getting more and more impressed by him. I know you saw him live and was incredibly impressed. So these are just three outfielders here. And I think it's time, you know, I'd buy high on all three of these guys. Same with Aaron Zavali. He's a little bit lower in rankings, but he's had a very good year. Colos as well. All these guys obviously have had great years. That's why they're on this list, but I, I want as much stock of these guys as I can. Spencer Jones, another one that I think he's just going to continue to skyrocket up rankings. You had him as one of your guys that could make that huge jump next year in, in your Patreon post you did about you know five, six days ago. He's, he's running a lot. Obviously, it's, it's single A, but power's there, contact's there, Yankee Stadium, all of that. So, uh, man, Spencer Jones is probably top 25 by this time next year. I, I fully believe that. Yeah, it's possible. So the ones, and I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you're priced out on Carter and Dominguez and Kowser yet. Kowser's probably the one with the most hype all around. Yeah, but I think so. Yeah, I'd say overall, you can probably still get Carter and Dominguez a little cheaper than I value them at least. Like top, as top twenty, Zavala's an easy buy. I mean, Colos is one that I think you should buy into as well. That's not getting the love in most places where I've got him 40th i think around 40 and 46th i think coloss is an absolute dude and keeps performing and all around this is a kind of good group to buy because even even with the miguel blaze blyce hype you can still get him at a reasonable price if you truly believe that he can become a top 25 prospect like the price is still there for like him even jones and fypd you can get a relative price so there's some good buying opportunities in this group of outfielders and a lot to like here with, with all these guys and what we've seen this year. And you got to give a shout out to Chris at baseball pods because he was very aggressive on Spencer Jones right from the get go. And I think now the rest of the industry is <laughs> following suit. So yeah, you know, giving some props to the Chris there, but yeah, all these guys are great buys. Like Miguel Blyce, I think is still very underrated. Obviously great reports on him from basically everybody that has seen him or anybody within the organization. I love Spencer Jones, obviously, as well. Canario, great power speed guy, even if the you know, average might be a little bit lower. Maybe he's like a 250, 255 guy, but 25-plus home runs, 15-plus steals is definitely there. So, yeah, a lot of fun names here to buy on the outfield for sure. Anybody else you want to hit on, Chris, before we end this show? No, I just will say with, with Miguel Blyce, I think that if he had not gotten hurt and had moved up to Salem, then he probably – wouldn't be gettable, but I think because he overall, if you just look at the numbers, he's still you can still buy in just based on that. Like he, he his numbers are good, but didn't play past complex ball. And you know, I, I've heard people say that you can still get him while the price is good, and I think that's not true in some cases because I think the cost is out of control at this point. Like it's not a buying opportunity, 
But if you do believe that he's going to continue to ascend up, then maybe you can still buy. But it's it's all about finding these next guys that are going to make that jump. So, you know, Blyce could take a step forward once he hits full season ball, but but we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And again, go back to our episode last last time with Eric and Bailey that you know we talked about some of these guys that could make these jumps next year. So, but that is going to wrap us up. A really fun episode here. We talked a lot of names. We'll do the dynasty version of this on the Monday's episode. So check out that as well. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter, Chris of that Roto Clegg. I am Eric Cross zero four, and our shows at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everybody take care. Yeah.